0: Welcome to Necessary Illusions, this is your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Miss Turbo Kitty, a Green Party activist, a steering committee co-chair, a revolutionary, and an organizer. We talk about Nevada politics, the two-party American system, climate change, and the fate of humanity. Thanks for listening. Again, this is Necessary Illusions, and I am your host, MC Squared. We have here Marjorie, a.k.a. Miss Turbo Kitty. Welcome to the podcast. Well,
1: thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Um, so, yeah, why don't we get right into it? I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Nevada politics and uh, also your affiliation with the Green Party. And you are the steering committee co-chair. So kind of can you give us an There's idea? There's
2: two of us.
0: Okay. So what kind of what kind of things does a steering co chair for the Green Party in Nevada do? What's your responsibilities?
2: Um,
1: well, I'm a national delegate and I relay information from national to the state party so that the state the you know, members of the state party can tell me what to do and vote on certain proposals, whatever way the state, you know, the state membership tells me to vote and uh my husband also he's mr river um he uh, or Robert Hansen if you will um he's uh an at large member but also a national delegate and you know we just we bring the proposals to the state um we give them uh like the latest information try and keep them updated on what's going on in the world today um ask them you know we take polls and ask them you know. What their temperature is on certain things and how they want things done um and we have volunteers, like more volunteers than uh, than probably Moses parted the Red Sea. We have volunteers yeah. yeah, we're getting lots and lots of volunteers. We have people who from other uh affiliate uh, i want uh, they're affiliating with us, but they're separate groups from us that are volunteering and We're trying to get ballot access right now, so we're just, oh my God, you know, funny, I should bring this up. Um, I don't know if you know what happened um, during the 2020 election in Nevada.
0: No, Um, I'd love to hear about it, yeah, as an
1: insider. What state are you in?
0: Oh, I'm in Texas, so, but uh, yeah, I'm from the East Coast. I'm an East Coaster. I've been in Texas for the last uh, year now, so... Obviously, uh, yeah, Texas politics is is pretty tough. It's a, it's a, okay. yeah.
1: Okay, so in 2020, after the election, the DSA took over the uh, Democratic State Party in the state of Nevada, um, and the the uh, the Democrats walked out, took all their funding with them, and up until this point, when they took over. Um, our relationship to the Secretary of State's office was, um, I want to say, uh, kind of had a lot of friction. Had a lot of friction. Yeah. Uh, when I first when I first became the co-chair and I was uh, uh, filing our certificate of continued existence with the Secretary of State's office, I had to send an email almost every day. I called numerous times for six months just to get a. certificate Mm -hmm. even though we had filed on time and everything else okay so now it's 2023 the dsa has taken over the nevada secretary of state's office um everybody in there is like oh how can we help you would you like a hard copy along with a virtual copy and then the the head of the um md elections board from the sos he actually called me from washington dc to let me know what was going on and instead of like uh, viewing our, uh, the petition that we had designed, they sent us the perfect petition to take out to the world. Yeah. I mean, they were so nice. They are so nice. Mm -hmm. And you know, like uh, um, Howie Hawkins is also a DSA member. So um, DSA was involved with the Green Party over the uh, um, the 2020 run when he ran. And now we have, um, well, I'm hoping that Cornell West wins the, the presidential nomination convention. Um, I am very, very hopeful. Um, a lot of the people in national support him. We have a couple of people who are detractors, but that is something that is always, you know, I, I don't think it's, uh, um, you know, just it, it's isolated in the Green Party only because, of course, you can see the Republicans and the Democrats and the winglets they have, too.
0: So I am a anarchist and uh, in principle, I oppose uh, political parties, you know, so my thought in general is I'm never, I'm very leftist, you know, I'm very for revolution, you know, and I hope we get one and all that sorts of stuff. I don't identify as a Republican. I don't identify as a Democrat. I'm not much of a joiner. Uh, I definitely sympathize and think the Green Party, um and independent parties, third parties, whatever, are more in line with my political beliefs and ideology. But my thought would be um, if the Green Party ever becomes, you know, a nationally powerful party, I think the Green Party. Um, platform would change a lot. So I think, like, right now, this is just my beliefs. You can tell me what you think about them. But I think, like, the party, the two party system right now, we basically have two business parties. You know, we got the Republicans who basically, you know, uh, oppose abortion and are, you know, pretend to be religious uh, and use gerrymandering to steal votes. Um, but really working people and their policies do not align, you know? And then we have the Democrats for everybody else who, um, are corporately funded, um, also very powerful. There's some different differences with, um, the Republicans on abortion, and not much else, at least from the the surface. And my thought would be, like, I just oppose political parties in general. I I like to make it more about the issues. And then I guess the other thing with uh, the third party is there seems to be, like, a big emphasis on the national election, you know, winning the presidency. And I would really like to see uh, a grassroots third party, Green Party movement at local, state, and, um, everywhere, you know, throughout the country, instead of putting all the resources and going for the presidency, which is a huge ask. And it's, I think, what, like $14 billion, uh, was last spent on the most recent, uh, presidential election. I think that's a ton of money. The, the, the politics, I think there's a, a quote as party manager in the early 1900s, uh, it takes two things to win an American election. The first is money, and I've forgotten what the second one is. You know, So that's kind of the state of American politics the way I see it. I really like the Green Party and what they're doing, but don't you think if uh, they ever had the resources and the power, wouldn't uh, maybe they just become just another third corporate party? You know what I mean? Like, What, what, what do you think the platform is for the Green Party, and how does it uh, differentiate from – Obviously, the two-party Republican-Democrat system that we have.
1: One question at a time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I got a lot on the. I got mine. No, oh, no doubt.
1: Yeah, Let's well, talk about the platform. The TV, yeah. So my answer is. Yeah. Trail off, here. but I will. I will tell you what. Okay. Um. I think. Okay. I can honestly say to you that one of the things. One of the things that my mom used to say to me is that that you know no matter what. If I decide I'm not going to do something or I am going to do something, no amount of love or money is going to make me change my mind. I don't have a price. However, if I was going to do it anyway and you're going to pay me to do it, sure, I'll do it. Okay? Um, I think uh, sadly because of the position that um, most people are in, everyone has some kind of a price. The price of their child's life. The price of the vehicle to get to work. The price of the food to eat for themselves and their family. You understand?
0: No, definitely. That's the system we're in. I mean, that's the capitalist system.
1: You understand? Correct? Sure. Yeah. And so, what I want to, um, I would like you to view this as a parallel. Um, when uh, the Democrats replace the Whigs, okay? I believe that the Green Party is going to replace the Democrats. Our current platform is beautiful, in my opinion. Um, I also, uh, for my part, um, Green Party, the party for me, it's a philosophy. Everything, the, you know, the 10 key values, the four pillars, every part of the platform, you know, bodily autonomy. I agree with all of this, um, you know, like that everybody should be tr- uh, treated equally, regardless of their uh, uh, identity, no matter what it is. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm sidetracking here a moment just for a moment, because I really think that people forget this. Um, In the early 70s, well, actually, before the early 70s, we had Mr., Miss., and Mrs., okay?
2: Mm -hmm. And in the
1: early 70s, a lot of women transitioned to Ms., you know, just Ms., dot. So, you know, because it's nobody's business if I'm married or not. Sure. It's nobody's business, okay? So now we have pronouns. Well, isn't my, you know, my, me calling myself Ms. a pronoun? Is it not? Sure. Or am I mistaken? Okay, so what that was was an evolution of titles, right? Mm-hmm. And where pronouns are concerned, these people are doing for themselves what women did back in the 70s to give themselves identity, to separate themselves from other people. And I think that the people who are, uh, who do have pronouns, deserve respect. They're fighting a battle, and I get it. You know, in my own fashion. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, going back to the Whigs, and am sorry, I did sidetrack.
0: No, this um, is great. I was going to get to some political party history as well.
1: Oh, just hang on. I've got it all. Actually, um, well, at least in the state of Nevada, I've got it all. Um, the Whigs took over the Democrats, and at the time, the Democrats um, were... Well, up until I think it was uh,
0: Senator Muskie, but they they were very racist and the Republicans
2: were yep. very Yep. That's exactly what we wanted to get and into. Yeah, it changed. It
0: changed, 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 right? it changed because neither of the parties stand for much. I mean it changed I think at one point the Republicans were the party of the working class and they were the party of uh, abolition. Uh, Lincoln's party, the Republican Party, they also thought during the Civil War they were fighting wage slavery, Uh, and their slogan was wage slavery isn't all that much different than chattel slavery other than it is temporary. So chattel slavery is – throughout your entire life, you're born a slave, you die a slave – But wage slavery is maybe you work your 40 hours a week for the man and they own you for that period of time, but maybe get some time on the weekends. You know, we won the 40-hour work week. You can't work 24-7. But ultimately, you are working for a master, obeying orders, and working for subsistence just to get by. So a lot of people in the Republican Party thought, we're fighting the Civil War for this. And of course, when the Civil War uh, ended – it was a much harsher version of capitalism than ever. Jim Crow laws basically criminalized black life. So, and I think that switch happened because the parties don't really stand for anything. You know, these are big money parties. And um, yeah, at one time the Republicans were more of the working class.
1: They
0: both stand for the same thing. The thing. G- Agreed. They are business parties. They both are business parties. With the only thing changing. Sure, go
2: ahead.
1: 3rd way politics. It all started really changing when Clinton took office. And, you know, like he, uh, he introduced 3rd way politics, third, uh, a third-wave philosophy to the Democratic Party. And now, um, in my opinion, you can't tell the two parties apart. You can't. They're both racist. They're both capitalists. They're both yep. greedy. Yep. Um, they both don't care
2: whether you live or die. I would agree.
0: that's why I mean I, I oppose political parties in principle i 'm all about ideas and I don 't think they're all that controversial. I believe in justice, equality, I believe in human freedom, I believe in a society where we should have health care you know it, sh- it should be a right you know I think uh, paid time off for workers should be a right. I mean I really think of just complete rev- completely revolutionizing the way that we see work in my opinion, I think workers you know, should own and operate the factories, those who work in the factories ought to own them and run them. So that's, that's my thought. I mean, I think that all of those things are big ideals in the 1900s, you know, in the, I'm sorry, in the 19th century, 1800s. Um, and I think yeah. it's kind of been lost as, you know, the, the, the money in politics and the corporations have just ex- exploded and have insane amount of power and money on scales that, the founding fathers who created this, whatever you want to call it, democracy, couldn't have even imagined. And of course, uh, the country was founded on uh, it was a democracy. If you're a male property, a rich white male property owner, then it was great. Democracy was great for you. But, but I need to interject something. Sure. Um,
1: the original signers of the United States Constitution. Um, I I, I don't remember his name, but you can look him up. He's like the third to the last signer. Um, Before they signed the Constitution, he wanted to add health care, free health care to the United States Constitution. And he was voted down by everyone else, um, and especially Alexander Hamilton. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like, we could have had it then. Sure. Oh, sure. you know, all of a sudden... Okay, short story. Um, Back in the day in uh, 2008 when Obama was running, um, I had a a two-pronged reason for canvassing for him. One, I wanted to be out of the house when my uh, husband's mother was home. And two, I thought, you know, because of the blueprint for change, because of things that I was taught when I was young, you know, you never write anything down on paper because you can be sued for it. He put the for change down on paper, but nobody ever sued him for it. Okay. So I was out there and I was, uh, I was part of a phone treat and we were supposed to show up at the local town, uh, town office. Um, or well, the, yeah, the town office um, to uh, fight for Obamacare. And I showed up with my sign for HR 676, single payer health care. And the guys who were in charge came over and told us, we need to take your signs. You're supposed to be here supporting Obamacare.
0: Yeah, that's. And right. I was so upset yeah. about that. You know,
1: I was like, I don't understand this because the blueprint for change, the things that Obama said, what the, you know, what the hell is going on here? I didn't understand.
0: It, it was all propaganda. I mean, he said hope yeah. and change, but that was meaningless. And then the other thing was, if you looked it's at. Crazy. Well, it it got a lot of people behind him. It, it convinced a lot of people to vote for him because they thought when he said hope and change, those were real. He thought that many people that voted for him thought that, that those things were going to happen in America. And of course it was just propaganda. It was marketing. There was never any substance to it. And even if you looked at his um, platform while he was a candidate, he never advocated that he was going to do a single party healthcare system, you know, they usually words like we're going to increase access. What, do, what does that mean? It's meaningless. You know, they, of course they, they can say it. It sounds good, but it's not a single party payer. It's just, it's just words. It's just basically opening up the Obamacare. basically just open it up. Um, you know, a little bit more people to the private insurance exploitation system, you know, and we're the only country in America, the only country in the world without a, a a public option. It's it's incredible. We don't have a healthcare system in the United States. We have a national scandal. It's an embarrassment. I think we pay like four times as much for our health care as the Canadians do with worse outcomes. And that's because um the public administrative costs are a fraction of the big administrative costs of the insurance companies, where these CEOs and executives are making million-dollar salaries and tens of millions of dollars in bonuses. That's that's expensive. So that's why our system is so expensive to run. And not only that, the copays are getting out of control. It's it's insane. It's the, the system is a complete failure. I am in healthcare. I don't like to talk about my profession or nothing like that, but I see it on the inside. It's a complete failure. It fails people. That. The healthcare system is incapable in America of meeting even the most basic needs. At least for most people, if you have yeah, money to afford it,
2: to they don't want to
1: anymore. All they're interested in is making money. Yeah. I, I want to add something. Um, do you know who Paul Wellstone is? I do not. Okay. Um. This. This is kind of funny because Paul Wellstone was friends with. Um, Uh, God, I wish I could remember his name. I'm having a a, a, a total lapse of memory today. Um, Paul Wellstone was a uh, political figure, and he developed a way to get people involved in politics, to get people to run in politics, Um, and he was killed in a plane crash. And um, Dean, Howard Dean, and he were friends.
0: You know Howard Dean. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he was the okay. guy that squealed or whatever, and then that ended his campaign. room. I, I don't. I was a little bit too young to follow politics back then. I don't remember his platform or anything.
2: <laughs>
1: that's okay. You don't have to be. You don't have to be as old as I am to know what happened. Okay, so Paul Wellstone and Howard Dean were friends, and Howard Dean was supposed to be on that flight with Paul Wellstone, but he didn't show up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing. The
2: second
1: thing is, is that. Um, because he didn't show up, he became the, the holder of the Paul Wellstone method of getting elected. Paul Wellstone would have been our president. He would have been a great one if he had survived. Yeah. In the meantime, because uh, Howard Dean was affiliated with um, Obama, he gave Obama the Paul Wellstone method of getting elected. That's how that happened. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I – and because this is a popular topic on Twitter right now, there's no way you can have 57 friends who committed suicide. There just isn't.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No> <laughs> doubt. You know?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, but getting back to the other the, – the, 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 I'm bringing the train into the station to your original question. Um,
0: I don't remember what that was. <laughs>
1: um, we were talking about the wigs. And oh, okay, yeah, up into a different topic area,
2: right?
1: Um, but um, I probably won't be alive to see this happen. Chances are you won't be alive to see it happen either. Should the human race survive, I am sure that the Green Party will turn into something that reflects the Democrats or the Republicans, you know, 100 years down the line.
0: What about so? Um, I really don't think there's, you know, there's some differences, you know, basically um, shifting in influences, uh, in, shifting corporate influences are the differences in the um, the Democratic and the Republican machine, the duopoly, whatever you want to call it. There, the Democrats pretend to care about environmentalism, although we know it's not true. And I think what uh, Biden, you know, has given more. Drilling permits than Trump. I don't really follow this stuff because, you know, anything they say is a lie for the most part anyway. So I really don't try to follow what Joe Biden says or does, you know, with a fine tooth comb or a microscope or anything like that. I just assume most of the stuff he says is bogus. But, um, you know, the Republicans, they... Act like you know climate change isn't real or it doesn't exist, but neither of them do anything about it. You know they're all for you know the oil based economy that we have and continuing to control the oil supply, which is one of the reasons why the Middle East and Israel and that's one of the main uh, areas of uh, U.S. foreign policy. That, that at least that's the main area that we target with all these endless wars and and whatnot for oil rights. Um, but what about the environment and the Green Party? I mean that's one of the biggest. Um, biggest platform areas that might differentiate the greens and the, and the mainstream parties. Would you agree? I mean, what, what, uh, what sorts of things are the green Party doing?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, see, okay. One of the things that GPUS is trying to do, and I'm trying to help in my state, is to get as many people to run in, the, uh, as greens because we need to offer Cornell West support should he be elected. Because, you know, otherwise we're going to have the same thing happen again. Um, Mind you, I'm bringing up Obama again. But I'm going to, you know, they're going to have the same thing happen again as happened with Obama.
0: I tweet about Obama all the the time. He's no friend of of necessary illusions or MC squared. No doubt about that.
1: Okay, well, you know, Obama presented his agenda and all the Republicans voted against it.
0: Now That's right. having, if Cornell yeah, if Cornell West gets in the White House, they're gonna completely shut down government. It's gonna, gonna, gonna be a stalemate. In the White
1: House, yeah, just them over. And right. the thing is is that if you don't have people running for Congress, for Senate, for you know, anything that has any federal affiliation, then the presidency it will be wonderful that we got a Green Party president. Yeah. You know, we can celebrate that.
0: But they it won't be able to do much. Exactly. This is where I agree with you wholeheartedly. This was, this was kind of my first point or one of my, one of my points is to try to get – I think the Green Party uh, has some awesome platform differences than the mainstream parties. I really want to see some grassroots political movements to get Greens in local government, to get them in state government, to get congressional seats. But because I don't have any party affiliation, um, I just want people with – I just want radical leftists – or at least anti-capitalist or anti-corporate, um, you know, basically politicians that are already bought and sold, you know. I want to get some new yeah. new voices in there, some new ideas in there. We need to try some different things. Obviously, a lot of what we've been doing isn't working for working people. So whether it's the Green Party or an independent or some other party, um, I, I think that we need to start – at the grassroots level, and and get some people in the politics. We we can't always be outside the system. Like I think, if we really want a true revolution, we're gonna have to have people inside the system that are for the environment, that oppose corporate takeover, that oppose regulatory capture, that oppose bailing out um, corporations and bankers for greedy politics and practices, but not the people. Like with the student loan forgiveness and that sort of stuff. So. Um, I, yeah, I agree with you though. I would love to see, um, a revolution, a political revolution with some, with some new ideas, some radical leftist ideas, some ideas that don't involve neoliberalism and the Washington consensus. Like we've been there, done that since the seventies. It's not working. People are starting to wake up to it. You know, here's the thing that aggravates me or annoys me. Um, as I talked a little bit about this in my last podcast, Public uh, trust and in institutions are at an all-time low. So how about some statistics here? I think uh, the approval rating of Congress is, the last time I checked, low 20s. It's been, at times, flirting with single digits. Um, a, a few yeah. weeks ago, the Supreme Court, uh, it's it's uh, sunk to a brand-new all-time low in public approval ratings. Joe Biden, at times, Trump has been more popular. I think I saw Biden's approval rating in the 30s hovering there. But you know what the um, – the reelection rate of recumbents in, in Congresses. It's in the high nineties. So that just tells us that new ideas aren't being presented to us. The, the American population, the voters, we are disgusted with the way the political system is running. And yet the same people keep winning elections. And that's because no options are being presented to the people. It's a two party yes. system. The, the two parties that are in power aren't much different. And the party shenanigans of these two. Duopolistic parties that monopolize the system. Uh, their 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 goal is to keep those new ideas off the ballot, to keep uh, you know progressive Democrats off the ballot, and to and to and to make sure that the okay. Greens. Stay
1: in
2: power.
1: That's all they want. They want to stay in power. They went through several states and purged the voter rolls so that they could make you know like here in Nevada what they did. Uh, I I believe. Um, I have no proof, but I believe that um, the republicans and the democrats concluded in order to get the green party off the ballot we were on the ballot i mean we're still on the ballot in california okay they have like i, I think like uh nine or ten parties on the ballot in california nobody's afraid there over here they purged our voter rolls and reduced us to not being able to be on the ballot because you have to have so many uh registered party members for whatever Um, to
0: be on the ballot. Let's talk a little bit about local politics. So that's where you're the expert here. Let's talk about the Nevada politics. I mean, what's the Green Party in Nevada? Is this a a party that uh, has a big membership? Is this a party that is growing? Is this a party that is going to have some real uh, influence in the state level? And potentially, do you think there's some point in time, maybe in the near future or distant future, that you might see a Repo- or I'm sorry, a Green Party senator or a Green Party representative?
1: Um, okay, so here's the deal. Um, we would be growing a lot faster if we, weren't, uh, if we weren't three clicks away and you didn't have to type in Green Party on the SOS website. Um, that needs to be changed so that all the parties are represented on the first page and you can click, just click a box. Um, that was one of the other things that they did with the voter purge. Um, our party is growing. Um, if, there were, uh, if, if those of us on the steering committee and other people who um, know how to register with the Green Party can help other independents register with the Green Party, I do not think that we would have to be um, uh, out there gathering sign- signatures for a ballot access at this moment. I,
0: but I think I would like to hit on, too, that the Democrats, the Republicans, they're not doing anything different in all of human history. You know, power never gives up its uh, claim to whatever, you know, influence and domination on the society. You have to throw it out. It has to be a grassroots you know effort. Like we can ask the king to be more benevolent. Or we could just over the, overthrow the king outright, but you know, I don't think there's ever an instance in history where a king or dictator willingly said, you know, I I, I, don't, I no longer wish to be in power. I want to uh, I want to give the give it back to the people or anything like that. You know, like I think uh, all throughout history, I think wasn't that the whole idea with like Napoleon? Like uh, he was very popular and and uh, you know a, a favorite of maybe the working class or the underclass or whatnot. But as soon as they got in power, they kept it, and they were ruthless and I think that's all we're seeing from uh, the Democrats and the Republicans they're in power right now, and we're they're not going to give up their reins to power willingly we 're going to have to push them out and it's going to have t- it's going to take a grassroots populist popular revolution, you know political revolution and I, I keep saying that like we 're going to have to do things outside the system, like independent media, part of what we're doing here in this discussion, yeah. and Twitter. Yeah. I think Twitter's a yeah. town Hall, a great a great opportunity. It's radicalized me and got me onto new ideas. Uh the Venus Project, which maybe we can talk about in the future. I think that's a really cool idea, a resource-based economy.
2: I love the Venus Project
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But
1: I've loved the Venus Project.
0: I had never heard of it. You know, I mean I'm big on to politics and just new ideas. Um, but you know, that sort of stuff is Muted. I mean, you don't you don't get these sorts of ideas from the mainstream, and uh, because there's no money in it. Sure, sure. I mean, we're trying to we're trying to have a we're trying to save the planet. You know, I think we're facing uh, environmental uh, apocalypse, a climate crisis. Uh, every every time you look at um, you know the temperatures, it's the hottest summer on record, and that's just because you know uh, next year next that's year's going to be even hotter. Hottest
1: temperature it's ever
0: had in its history. So yeah, I mean obviously <laughs> obviously uh obviously the two party system isn't working. But yeah, I think um I think we're gonna have to like I said, outside the system try to organize and get with people and get ideas out there. But at some point we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take power within the political system as well. Wouldn't you agree? I
1: would I, you know, it's one of the things I'm working on right now um, with other people who shall remain nameless um, because if I go too far, I might get arrested or thrown out or something. But, um, you know, all of us are, all of us here in Nevada are working to try, A, to get ballot access, B, um, to get people elected from Nevada to Congress or to the Senate and not state but federal, um, and to get Cornell West in office.
0: I think, awesome I think those are all awesome aspirations. I think those are all, it'll be great things for all of us if that stuff happens.
1: I'm hopeful. I mean, I, um, up until Cornell West announced he was running for the green party. Um, I was not going to run for another term because I couldn't see us going anywhere. Um, and one of the things, you know, like we're, what we're lacking in politics today for the people, music, good people who are speakers, um, Uh, people who are willing to stand up okay and those who those people who are willing to stand up are not getting any media recognition because you know the the doj owns
0: the media now the media is owned by the same people that run the political system so it sounds like you've been rejuvenized and motivated by the presidential campaign of cornell west tell me about it and what's it all about i really haven't Followed it much. I really don't follow mainstream politics. I'm interested in it, but I'm more so into the political philosophy and the in the history. So I really don't watch much mainstream media. Or my the, the what I see on Twitter is basically my my knowledge. You know, my knowledge base. Twitter, Twitter, and Reddit. I, I don't even check any of the mainstream sources. So tell me about it. Like I don't know anything about it because I'm pretty much there.
1: Okay, I'll start from the beginning. Now. Do you remember Zero Hedge? I don't. Do
0: you know who Chris Hedges is? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Oh, yeah, so I'm a big Chomsky head. I love Noam Chomsky. I love his philosophy. He's, interviewed, yeah, really? he's been interviewed by uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Christopher Hedges several times. Uh, yeah, I, I totally have very, very similar uh, political beliefs and, and thoughts about American politics uh, as, as Mr. Hedges does. Okay, um, Christopher Hedges was the person I wanted to
1: run for office. That's who I wanted, and he endorsed Cornell West, which is enough for me.
2: Yeah.
1: But, um, as a matter of fact, when he came forward, he said that that um, there was very, very little room that he and Cornell West ever disagreed on. They agreed on just about everything. And Cornell West is, um, you know, he's a professor of philosophy. He's got a doctorate. Um, he's taught at several major, you know. He taught at I think it's Cambridge, and then Princeton, and now, or no, he's uh, at Harvard, and now he's at Princeton, or it might have been Yale. I don't remember. Um, but uh, he's been around for a while. As a matter of fact, he was even one of the in, uh, one of the people who introduced Bernie Sanders. So you know, and and. I don't know that he ever even had really a political affiliation up until that point, but, um, you know, he's got a good answer for everything and he's right about everything. You know,
0: do you think it's realistic? Do you think there's a possibility, a chance that he's in the white house and after the election?
2: Um, he said that he would, he would find
1: him in a crack house before you found him in the White House. <laughs> he, well, yeah. he, found, he followed up that statement with, you know, until everyone else has a house. Yeah. You know? So he, he says all the right things, and I believe him. And every time someone questions him, he tells the truth. You know, it's true that he doesn't have um, a really, uh, I want to say, an in-depth knowledge. Of the structure of GPUS, but he's getting a crash course from, uh, you know, Baraka and Stein and Hedges.
0: What do you think? Uh, has he come out and said what the platform would be, or what do you think his platform would so be?
1: He a platform is his platform. I mean, everything on the platform. Have you uh, reviewed the platform at GPUS? I have not. You should. Well. I, chances are, if you did, you'd want to join. I mean, because, like, after being screwed over twice, that is me personally. Um, I have a videotape up uh, somewhere on YouTube of me burning my, my Democratic registration voter card.
2: <laughs> awesome. It's so awesome. Well, no,
1: you know, when, when the state party chair commits malfeasance in public and thinks that she can get away with it. You know, that's wrong. I, I think both the, the, parties are
0: corrupt. I think both parties yeah, are corrupt, but I don't think there's a political party no, 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 in, in the world. I got
1: another story. Um. Okay. Uh. Crap. What's his name? He's got a son in office. I can't remember his name. Um. I was hoping, beyond hope, ah, I remembered his name. Uh, that Ron Paul would win the Republican nomination.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Ron Paul said a lot about said a lot of things that I agreed with. Uh for sure. Like that was before I had a big bigger understanding of yeah, political philosophy, but he was he was an outsider um that said some different things, said some things that um the mainstream didn't like. I think he was coming uh from more of a right-wing perspective than where I find my political ideology, but there's a lot that he said that I agreed with for sure. Um I think he would've been a lot better than
1: he said that I agreed with too, but you know, and was. uh I was fortunate enough at that time, it was the, caucus, the first year of the caucus convention, and I was able to see um, all the candidates that had not withdrawn. For instance, Kasunich, um, and uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. He's the guy who had the affair. He was, they were always uh, talking about his hair. but. Um,
0: that's what, that's what the party system does, though. They talk about things that don't matter. They talk about the sex lives wait, of politicians. Wait, they, they talk wait, about wait, what wait, color wait. suits someone wear. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I saw Ron Paul. I talked to Ron Paul. And this may or may not make me very unpopular with Ron Paul for, you know supporters if they're still out there, because we still have a Ron Paul sign uh, in, uh, in Knight County today. Somebody just left it up or they never took it down, or whatever. Um, it's a Ron Paul revolution sign. He lied to me, straight to my face. He lied to my husband, straight to his face. And then the next morning, the question that we had asked him about, which had to do with the um, making, uh, making the media fair and balanced again, the, uh, the, the thing that Clinton did away with, Okay, you know, he went on, and he that will never change. He lied. He knew all about it, and he refused to talk about it. And then he turned us over to his campaign manager, who gave us the runaround. Okay, so, and that, you know, that right there was enough to tell me, I'm not going to vote for that guy. He lied to me. Right there in front of me, he lied to me.
0: I mean, I think that uh, being very good at lying is almost a prerequisite to getting into politics. At least... That's the way I see it. Um,
2: I'll tell you a
1: better prerequisite. What? If you want to get into politics and you want to be popular, you have to, um, in the Dems and the Republicans, you have to belong to some sort of kinky sex
2: club.
0: <laughs> that may be true. Sure. Yeah, it,
2: is true. it is true.
0: Yeah. I can believe it. Um but, yeah, I think I think a part of the, what the media does and part of what the two-party system does is to try to distract us from important issues like health care. Or you mentioned about uh, Dr. Cornell West's um, pl- platform, uh, you know, he won't stop until everyone has a house or something like that. I mean there's more um, vacant homes in America than there are homeless people. We don't have a homeless – Problem in America, we have a lack of will problem. I mean, it would take a few weekends, you know, a bunch of dedicated people in cities across the country to fix up some of those vacant homes, some of those dilapidated homes. And there's probably tons of homes and buildings that are vacant right now that are ready immediately for people to live in. And I think that's also what we're seeing with like COVID and the work from home. There's a ton of commercial real estate that's sitting vacant. And because of the political system and capitalism, it's all you know, profit-based, greed-based. Um, instead of um, turning those uh, buildings into desperately needed affordable housing in some of the inner cities across the country, um, I don't know what we're going to do. Them maybe turn them into expensive condos or force workers back into the office, or I don't know what the agenda is. But it could easily help solve. Into
2: the buildings because
1: they're going to lose their buildings.
0: That's right but but let' you know, talk about the venus pro let's let's talk about the Venus project a little bit and uh, the resource based economy. The resources are already there. we have vacant buildings, we have vacant homes they're easily uh convertible to public housing or affordable housing options right now that's desperately needed across the country I've been in some um you know big cities, especially on the east coast. There's dozens of you know homeless camps all across the city. It's in, it's incredible. It, it's and it's growing. It seems like by the year it, it, it's getting bigger and bigger. It's a major problem. Well,
2: guess, and it, it, you should go
1: visit California. It's horrible there. There you know like um it, you, there used to be just homeless people on Skid Row. Now there are homeless people everywhere.
0: Everywhere. I mean it's a failed yeah, society. I, I think yeah. they, The signs of it are everywhere. I think America is a failed society. I think it's been getting worse since the neoliberal revolution that was um, accelerated by Reagan and and Thatcher. And it's basically about um, personal responsibility. You know, if you're homeless or down on your luck or food food insecure or whatever – it's a personal shortcoming. You know, you have some issue with your morality. And that's obviously not the case. It's, the problem is the system, you know. And I think uh what, what the capitalist system tries to do is to try to get rid of our solidarity and our cooperation and basically want to put people in competition. And the things that matter are greed, class status, wealth, um, you know, self-interest, and all those things. Uh, a society that are based on those things is doomed. And I even think – I mean I think charity is great. I think it's awesome that people want to dedicate themselves to um, charitable acts. It's certainly needed in this country where we're desperately needing you know food and shelter and clothing for people, especially in like wintertime or right now and some of the extreme heat that we're seeing. Um, but I think the need for charity is another sign of a failed society. We shouldn't need yeah. charity. We should be able to allocate our resources, and they are plenty. We're the richest country in world history. Everyone should be able to have uh, – a, a, not access to healthcare, have healthcare. Everyone should be able to have a great public education. And I feel like um, in America, uh, you're looked at as Karl Marx, you know, As the ghost of Karl Marx or something, if you're like, um, you know, we're all for K through 12 education, but nope, nope, can't be college. You had four extra years, you know, and all all of a sudden it's a socialist, uh, you know, conspiracy. I mean, I I think I think education is very important. Uh, I think healthcare is very important. I think food for the homeless, I think. Um, You know, you talked a little bit about music and the arts. I mean, in a capitalist society, you know, I think art is desperately lacking. And one of the reasons is, you know, if you want to go into a career of art, you probably need two or three jobs to support yourself because it's – unless you work for some sort of corporation doing graphic design. From all
1: the secondary schools, there's no music. There's no, you know, there's no art. They kept math and sports because, you know, that's – and well, they actually – I, um, okay, they, they did away with cursive handwriting, okay, so you go to the bank, you open a bank account, and, and you know, the ma- bank manager says, okay, now we need a copy of your signature. And the kid looks up and says, what's that? Because you're supposed to sign in cursive. Right. You know,
2: it's, they're
0: yeah.
1: trying to make it, it's the, the deliberate dumbing down of America. They want us to be drones. They want us to do whatever it is that they want us to do. I, I definitely that,
0: agree but, with that, for sure. Like I think I think the goal of education should be to educate and motivate the next wave of um people, the next generation, to uh think critically about the world, to challenge, you know, established doctrines and dogma and science and the way we do things. But that's, you know, I think independently and creatively, but that's obviously not the, the, the educational system, at least here, that I'm familiar with. You know, the other
1: thing remember is that not everybody was meant to be a doctor or a scientist. Okay? You know, definitely.
2: Like, um, sure.
1: Uh, no, I'm a hairdresser. I went sure. to grade school. Okay, and I've been a hairdresser for over 30 years. It is the thing that brings me joy. I fell into a job that I love, and I make you know, I I make good money at, I own my own salon, Um, my co-workers, uh, uh, my salon is run in a socialist fashion, if you will. Um, When I have passed on, the the salon will pass to them. You know, this is, this is how I have everything set up. And um, the thing is, is that, you know, uh, my mother, this, okay, this small funny historical uh, story, uh before World War two welfare was called relief, okay, so um people who were poor, you know they would go down you know with their ticket from the government and they'd get a loaf of bread and you know maybe some meat, maybe some cheese, you know, some apples or whatever, and whatever it was it was supposed to last them a week, and that's all they got right well, in order to pay for the relief, your eldest son or your eldest daughter, one or the other would be sent to a trade school. They'd be sent, you know, your eldest son would be sent to um, carpentry or mechanics. Your eldest daughter, if you had no sons, would be sent to secretarial school or hairdresser, cosmetology school. Okay, so trade schools got a bad name because if you were a mechanic or a carpenter or a hairdresser or a secretary, that meant you came from a poor family. Okay, so. When I became a hairdresser, uh, my mother who fought in World War II um, was aghast. She wanted me to be a doctor. So that's not to say that I'm not intelligent because I am. Um, I you know, almost became a radio astronomer. I almost became a psychologist or, or a psychiatrist, if you will. Um, the thing is, is that the thing that I love and I love to do, she didn't want me to do. Now, there's a, an attitude out in the world today about how, you know, if you have a job, you should hate your job. You should hate what you do because then you're not really working. And, you know, like those of us who are blessed, I am blessed. I am truly blessed that I fell into something that I love, that I am excellent at. I like to tell my clients, you know, um, as a hairdresser, I practically walk on water. As a human being, I have plenty of fail you know failings, but when you walk into my salon we're the only five star rated salon in my area because I have you know standards then you know uh and i I make good money at it, you know, and so do my coworkers, so you know like if you're just a carpenter, my God, if you're a carpenter, come to Vegas, they need you they'll pay you thirty five dollars an hour. But um, the thing is, is that you know, like the the concentration from the political parties, either party, is on you know, you know, the McDonald's worker. Okay, well, you you, it's not supposed to be a job that's supposed to keep you in a house or in an apartment and keep you fed. It's not.
2: Why not?
0: I yeah, I think every everyone deserves a living wage. I think unskilled yes. uh, unskilled yes. labor or, or whatever is a term coined by the capitalist class. All laborers are skilled. I would say the the only uh, unskilled laborers, yeah. I think the only unskilled workers I'm aware of are the ones working in Washington and the ones that work in corporate boardrooms and have the title of CEO or executive. Those are the people that are the, the least skilled, you know. That's the way I think. I also think, you said a lot here, I wrote down some notes. So you said a lot here. What did you say welfare was called before World War II? Relief. Yeah, relief. So, yeah, I mean, I think in the old days, people were a lot more honest. You know, this propaganda, public relations stuff, the Obama campaign was nothing more than a pop uh, public relations exercise, marketing, propaganda, meaningless slogans. But the Department of Defense prior to World War II was the department of war. Why do you think that is? You know, but now – Um, the the Department of Defense, so you know it means the opposite. And basically since World War II, we've been terrorizing the world and trying to impose our agenda on other countries under the guise of we're spreading democracy when it couldn't be more false. I mean, America is aligned with some of the most ruthless, harsh dictators around the world. If you look um, at a number of different just – human rights violations in governments and governments in Saudi Arabia comes to mind. Um that sort of stuff where um There's you know dic- American South American dictatorships, that sort uh, I mean we've we've aligned the, the American uh, government has aligned with some of the most harshest dictators around the globe and yet we're supposed to be some, you know, beacon of democracy. We don't even have democracy in America, but don't take my word for it. There was a, what, 2014 study by Princeton saying the United States is no longer a democracy. It's an oligarchy. And basically, you know, if you don't have um, above a certain, whatever, $100,000 income level or something like that, basically your voice is completely unheard by the Washington establishment, you know, by the political. Yeah, because uh, you're not contributing
1: enough money to them.
0: And, and you also said great. money, too, a couple of times. Like, you make good money, you know, at what you do. And yeah. That's great. That's great. But that is how our society has been constructed. So
2: I need Everything. To wait, wait, wait. When I say I make
1: good money, um, I don't have a price list. My clients pay me whatever they want. Okay. But but, but, but,
0: but from it. some standpoint, though, you have to earn a living. You know, you have to buy food and shelter. Those things aren't guaranteed. And it's what I call no, they wage pay, slavery. They pay me
1: a lot. I, you know, like, how much do I owe you? I don't know, whatever you want. And they pay me a lot so I can take care of myself. You know, and, and
0: that's solidarity. That's great. That's solidarity. That's what society should be structured on. But I feel like we shouldn't be so concerned with how much a profession brings in, like you do what you love, you know, or, or so what you said earlier. And that's That's awesome. And I wish everyone could be able to pursue their passions. I think society is, I think it'd be cool. cool. I I think so many workers, you know, you mentioned service workers, McDonald's, that sort of thing. Basically people forced to work on command for poverty wages and what I would like to see is a society structured around creative development, self-development, voluntary association. I think a classless society is possible—one that you know isn't concerned with how much money you make for doing X, Y, Z, but trying to work together uh, on a planet with finite resources. We're facing all sorts of crises, from nuclear war and the threat of it to uh, an environmental collapse, and, and a planet that might not have. A sustainable uh ecosystem for future generations how many more generations are left of the human species you know only we can have a say in that know. you know
1: you wanna, i want to know okay these, these idiots that are pricing us out of their uh, marketable goods okay they're pricing us out of it um what do they think is going to happen if they keep using our finite resources And torching the planet, do they think that they're immune and
2: they're not
0: going to die? I think they are completely aware of what they're doing, but I think to them, the only thing that matters is the next quarter, you know. And I think that's also why you see the billionaire class in the space race because they know that the, the, the environment is heading for. Potentially a collapse. I think they're trying to figure out plan B. I think plan A should be to uh, save the planet. I think it would be a whole lot easier to save planet Earth, uh, a, a planet that has all the resources. It's a paradise for human beings and all the animals that live here now. I think it would be a whole heck of a lot easier. To save planet Earth, right now, uh, if we all got together and focused on that objective, um, then it would be to terraform Mars. And then the other thing with the billionaire space races—does does some of these people actually think they're taking us with them? Like they're they're going to terraform Mars or whatever their whatever their uh, megalomaniac uh, aspirations and you know delusions of grandeur are. They're not taking us with us, you know. There, there might be maybe a billionaire class that colonizes Mars, but uh, what's what about the rest of the eight or so billion of us left here, you know? So, I hope so they go. I, I hope, hope they go to Mars, and I hope they uh, leave us alone. That's what I'd love to see. <laughs> well,
1: since you touched on global warming, I refuse to call it anything else. It's not climate change. It's not uh, whatever other names they gave it. This is global warming on, on, on a, a scale that is exponential to our lifetime. Um, I didn't think it was going to happen quite as fast as it Me, is.
0: Neither did, it. neither did the scientists. Neither no, did the scientists. Every no, science no, report no. Is, is it's it's. I thought
1: you'd be dead before the, the planet burned up, and I'm thinking now I'm going to be around to watch it happen. It's but, seeming, um
0: looks that way.
1: So, of all the things that we have spoken about so far this evening, None of it matters if we don't have a planet to live on.
0: You're right. You're right. That
1: is the number one thing that should be on everybody's head today. In their thoughts, how do I save the planet? How do I make this planet, you know, uh, uh, habitable for the rest of the population, including myself? Because all the things that we care about, if the planet dies, so do we.
0: That's right. And the planet doesn't get a vote. You know, the animals don't get a vote future generations don't get a vote. So obviously what's called American democracy isn't working for the people that actually do get a vote, but there's many uh, parties and interested parties, animals, and everything, you know, future generations that aren't going to have a vote and aren't going to have a planet to live on if the the generation of people on this planet right now don't do something and do it quick because time is running out and, you know, every – every study every research paper every mainstream media article i read it's getting hotter it's getting worse uh and it's worse than we even ex- expected and we expected it to be really bad so and then i think there's there's a few different camps like from the right, right, you're getting climate deniers like, oh, you know, it's it's not even happening, which is ludicrous. And obviously all the scientists, you know, I think, what, 97% of scientists, mainstream scientists say that it's happening, you know, climate crisis, global warming. They're, the 3% that say it's not happening or disputed or whatever, they're funded by big oil or, you know, they're funded by some, you know, capitalist yeah. corporation.
1: Yes, um, no, British Petroleum knew, Exxon knew that... What Just like Big doing, Tobacco like
0: knew that cigarettes do. caused cancer. They always, they, they're always going to give you the runaround. They're never going to come out and say our products kill.
1: Oh, wait, wait, hold on. You touched on cigarettes. I have a small bit of information for you there, too. Um, when the tobacco companies first uh, were created, uh, back uh, like right before World War II, um, everybody who was in the military got a pack of cigarettes with their K ration and were encouraged by their CO to smoke because, you know, it relaxes you. It makes you feel better. Okay. My mom was a smoker her entire life because of that.
0: And cigarettes don't just kill the user. They kill, you know, secondhand smoke kills too. You know, I mean, obviously it's terrible. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. But that's
1: another little, little bit of trivia.
0: I think after World War II, we also developed the highway system um, under the guise of defense. You know, we're defending the country from who? You know, uh, America hasn't been invaded since the War of 1812, but, you know, whatever. Uh, You know, Japan attacked an American colony, you know, and we were threatening to bomb them. You know, there's all sorts of propaganda. But mainland America hasn't been uh, attacked since the War of 1812, yet um, we're always frightened of – Iran's gonna come here or whatever Iraq is gonna come here. It's ludicrous, it but made, um, made exactly right. there's no threat to it, no real threat at least not credible but um yeah the the highway system i mean that was a that was a social engineering project uh we could have had high speed rail like the rest of the modern world have europe Japan i mean trains where they make their
2: money that's
0: correct i mean we trans- we transitioned. From a cotton based economy to an oil based economy following the industrial revolution. And basically we suburbanized, uh, America, the highway system, which was a nice public subsidy for big auto and big oil. I mean, we, we built these roads. Um, you know, the, the taxpayer built these roads without them. The cars would be useless. Without them, we would have no use for these billions and billions of barrels of oil we keep digging up from the ground. We should leave the oil in the ground and we should uh, focus on trying to develop a a working public transportation system for working people. I think I literally (laughs) said this this morning in a tweet, but what we need is high speed rail. We need uh, energy. We need green energy for sure. Uh, We don't need more cars on the road with traffic jams. And here's the other thing. Okay. Electric cars. Great. I mean, that's also putting the personal responsibility, you know, we, 8 billion of us are going to have a car. It'd be a whole lot better if we had a public, um, high speed rail system where hundreds of us could fit in a train and get to somewhere really quickly. Um, and we wouldn't need, uh, all these roads, all these pollutants, all these traffic jams. And if we're going to use coal and fossil fuel power plants to charge our electric cars, what's the point? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and
1: I, until, uh, I think it was up until uh, three years ago, um, solar panels were made out of oil-based materials.
0: I, I, I'm, I'm no expert on this energy <laughs> stuff, but I, I, I'm not surprised at all. Sure.
1: Yeah, no, they're not anymore, but they were being made out of oil-based products. And here's the thing, okay? Anything that oil and trees can do, hemp can do better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they sound, yeah, that sounds like a commercial jingle. Um, but yeah, I think, I think also like how should, so let's, let's kind of get into this next wave. Maybe we can talk about the Venus project a little bit, a resource based economy, but the, the social engineering project that was the highway system in our oil based economy, that's basically polluted and trashed the planet. First off, what I think we should do is a public takeover of the oil companies. Um, gradually, slowly decrease their production, put them out of business as new, maybe more environmentally friendly renewable energy uh, power sources come online.
1: Yeah, I'm going to that. Shut those bad words down.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think we yeah, should – shut
1: them down right now. Right now. They I... need to be shut down right now. When Obama was in office back in 2008, I kept writing him and talking to him and – And everybody, you know, all the senators and my Congress critters and everything else, you know, because they were introducing um, hybrid vehicles and how, you know, they had the hybrid vehicles in Japan and in China for a decade before we got them here. Okay, so now we've got hybrid vehicles. And and this is keeping in line with what you're saying. But we have the hybrid vehicles. We are starting to introduce electric vehicles uh, because the, the population has demanded it. And because of course capitalism uh, is allowed to make a profit on them, right? Okay, that's what it's all but about. But yeah, but here's the thing, okay? Just, just you
0: know, rip the bandage off. <laughs> just rip so my thought though, it? I, I like the energy and and everything, but I just don't think we have the infrastructure. I mean, people still have places to be. We still have places to go. I would love it if we got left every barrel of oil in the ground starting tomorrow. There. But I think what we need is a widespread you know, Green New Deal, if you will. We need these public, uh, we need these public infrastructure plans uh, like they did to, get, you know, to help uh, stimulate the economy during the uh, Great Depression and obviously World War II helped to get us out of it. But we need some okay. sort of organized okay. effort. Ask you a I'm going to ask you
1: a question. If necessity is the mother of invention, how fast do you think the infrastructure would pop up if
0: um, we just uh, shut it down? Well, yeah, really, really fast, really fast, sure. Um,
1: I'm going to say it would be hard. It would be a little rough. Right. The thing is, is that the planet, I mean, do you, okay, remember during lockdown? Yeah. Okay, you could look on uh, YouTube for videos of what was going on in different places. Um, the one thing that struck me the most was in India, where they have, um, like, stage six alerts. there. You can't see the sky. For a year. Sure. We have blue skies. No industrial waste whatsoever. We, I shut, mean, it
2: we I, shut it down. We
0: shut it down. Yeah, I think it's a great plan to shut it down. I think if, imagine if we dedicated all the resources to um, public infrastructure projects with a focus on renewable energy, environmental friendly, environmentally friendly technologies. Imagine if we f- focused that much of our energy as we do on getting oil out of the ground as we do making stupid new model your cars every year like the, the 2024 whatever like what's the difference between a 2024 car and a 2023 car or a car made in 2020 they all do the same thing and they all pollute the environment who cares we don't need any more cars all right i have an example
1: for you all right then this this goes into when we were all in lockdown okay We were in lockdown and they came up with new ways for us to get our goods and our services, right? Yeah. The mailman delivered them, UPS delivered them, FedEx delivered them, okay? And that's great, right? And all of a sudden, you know, when Biden took office, the economy is tanking. Well, here's the thing, okay? Because I want to go one step further. I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if all of our public servants were actual public servants? Okay, so I'm a type 1 diabetic, all right? Um in order to get my medication, I had to go into Walmart wearing my mask and my hazmat suit because you know I don't want to die to get my insulin. Right? Okay. What if what if I'm on a list at the pharmacy to get whatever medications I need or whatever medications you need or whatever, and they send my medications to the post office, and instead of me having to go in, the mailman just drops it off for me. Door to ser- door, you know, door-to-door service. Okay. We already have a bunch of people who are working at
2: yep. home. Yep. They're yeah. They're producing. Are they not? You know, they're producing. Yeah.
1: Okay. What if what if uh, what if the police, okay, and please forgive me for this, but what if the police or don't um were the actual public servants that they are supposed to be? Okay, so you know, I have a grandma, I don't really but um, if I had a grandmother and she had fallen and I can't go to her house because we're in lockdown, okay, what if the police go with the ambulance to help grandma because she fell down and broke her hip and we're able to take care of her in the house?
2: I mean, all of these things, you're right, the, you know, the stuff to happen. I'll just stuff, stop you here. Let's stop you <laughs> It just is. It's right there. All we need to do is repurpose it or add to their purpose. Wait, you're muted. I didn't do
0: it. Okay. I'm back. You, you hear me? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I think um I think that uh the police, I'm all for defunding the police. I'm, yes. I'm all for abolishing the police if that's what the public wants to do. I'm a believer in democracy. I don't think that um, I don't think that uh, um, direct democracy is realistic. There's always going to be things that um, we can't possibly vote on everything, but as much democracy as possible, we should expand it. But uh, whether we defund the police or abolish the police, I think that's a. Yes, we can, we can I think vote
2: on everything individually A direct
1: democracy.
0: Most things, I would say, most things
1: people who have phones all you have
0: to do is vote yes or no sure but who's going to who's going to develop the questions there's always going to be power centers in society who's going to develop the questions that we vote on you know there's 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 no getting around it there's always going to be people in power in society if we can expand democracy as much as possible i think that that is a great thing um, but what you said about the police, how about firemen, you know, and how about social workers? Do we need agents yeah. of the state that carry out violence for the ruling class? I think that's debatable. Um, but instead yeah. of having more police go to the homes, why not social workers? We don't want someone going to the homes that's going to escalate violence. Yeah,
2: sure. Like public servant.
0: Yeah, we, we have skilled... But, yeah, I think the social workers are, are fantastic. I think they're undervalued in the capitalist society. I think their skill set is incredibly um, needed, and I think we need more of them, and I think we need less police <laughs> for sure.
1: No, I definitely agree. I mean, one of the things that we do – okay, um, locally we had a tragedy, a really, really horrible tragedy. I live in a small rural community of about 30,000 people. Um, It used to be 15000 when I moved here, and over the years it's obviously grown. Um, And the uh, Department of Defense, um, you know, like the older equipment that the military doesn't use anymore, they're giving them to police departments, right?
0: Militarization. That's the militarization of the police.
1: We have two mini-tanks here, little mini-tanks. I have photographs of them. Um, because I saw them on the side of the hill behind the police department here sheriff's department here and I took a picture because I do that I mean I took a picture of a FEMA uh, truck at one point in time that was headed towards northern Nevada I think but anyway so we had a teenage kid um, who lived and uh, who lived in a two-story house and here we don't have very many two-story houses they're all one story um, Well, not all of them, but most of them. Um, And this kid climbed out his bedroom window. He was depressed. He's a teenager, all right? He's suffering from hormones. You know, uh, every kid, you know, going through hormones, they they have mood swings. Well, this kid was suicidal. He climbed out his bedroom window, and he was sitting on the edge of his roof, contemplating whether or not he was going to throw himself off the side. Someone called the police. The police showed up. Nobody even tried to talk him off the building. They shot him. They just shot him. They rolled up in a tank and they shot him. You know, and the, you know, the kid was already depressed, right? And now he's terrified because a tank rolled up his driveway. Right. And then before he has the chance to do anything, they shot him. So my, what I tell people to do now is, uh, you know, if you have an issue, you know, a mental health issue, Do not call the police. Do not call 911. Call the fire department. Yeah. Because the fire department won't kill you. And I don't even know what these cops were thinking except that, um, I mean, not a lot of people know this, but a lot of the cops, there's, there's a steroid epidemic amongst them. I mean, a major steroid epidemic. And nobody talks about it, and the cops keep it quiet, but it's like all of them are on steroids. You know, and not to mention um they have uh they have the military uh the people who are in charge of the military in Israel come over here and That's right. Trade That's right.
2: The cops, yeah. Sure. Know, and why? Yeah, and
0: they're, and they're the they, ones, you know, carrying out uh state-aided uh oppression and basically carrying out an apartheid uh state in Israel as the Palestinian state um is completely everything that is um, everything that the Israel wants, they take, you know, and what's left over, it's for the Palestinians and there's no democracy. Palestinians aren't even given any human rights. And, uh, in fact, if they, if a kid throws a rock at a, if a Palestinian throws a rock at a, uh, Israeli, you know, uh, storm or whatever, uh, you know they're they're maybe murdered or imprisoned or at least physically assaulted. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, but yeah,
1: the Palestinians don't have anything to defend themselves with except for bottle rockets, sticks, and stones. Well, the Israelis, excuse me, not the Israelis, please God forgive me, the yeah. Zionist yeah. people who want to take over the country of Palestine because it is still Palestine, have we don't know how many nuclear warheads. Right. Everyone else has to account for their nuclear weapons, but not Israel. And right. I, I need to say this, okay? I don't know how many other people believe this or, you know, understand this or not. Um, we are all chosen, or none of us are. And I also have to say this. My grandmother was a Jew. I am nothing. And I will not be claimed by any militaristic fascist right. country or regime
2: anywhere.
0: Right. No, I, I, I oppose I oppose like a, a religious a religious state where you know one group of people, the Palestinians or Muslims are persecuted, you know, simply for their religious beliefs. Like America is not a Christian state, and I also oppose a Jewish state. I I, I support democracy and I think that I think that there should be a two-state settlement. I think that it should be a democratically um I think the government should be democratically organized and I think they should uh split up Israel or uh Jerusalem and you know can kind I of have a two two um you know two state capitals or or whatever I think the two state settlement is the first solution and I think at some point a united um Israel Palestine maybe a one state settlement settlement in the distant distant future democratically organized not putting one religious group or people above the other um but
1: do that would be to eradicate uh, the Quran and the Old Testament. That's, that's the only way. There's a history there um, that goes back to um, Ishmael, um, Isaac, and uh, oh, uh, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, I'm old. I forget.
0: I, I'm agnostic <laughs> when it comes to religion. I don't believe in any organized religion. I think that there could be a God. I don't know what that God would look like or... Or what that word even means, I'm just agnostic. Meaning, I don't, I don't really understand the answer. And I, but I, what I do seem to believe, what I do believe is that no man-made, human-organized religion seems to uh, be justified or legitimate
2: to me. Here's the thing. Okay, this
1: is go, this goes back thousands of years. This hatred. Okay, Abraham was the father, and there was Isaac and Ishmael okay and i uh, uh Isaac was from his wife, Ishmael was from the handmaiden okay, the Palestinians and the Israelis are all related they are interrelated, okay, so Abraham on his deathbed he's blind deaf and you know he's blind and going deaf and whatever, and the handmaiden, because uh uh Ishmael was older than Isaac, was trying to save her son and he- t- and Dressed her son up in, you know, hairy robes and everything, or hairy hair on his chest and on his head and whatever, because um, Isaac was very, very hairy. Ishmael was not. And he dressed, you know, dressed him up in in furs to make him appear to be hairy to his father, because on his deathbed, he went ahead and he gave, um, uh, uh, he wanted to give Isaac all the best of everything, because Isaac came from his wife. Ishmael came from the handmaiden. But, you know, like we're talking like there's no sibling rivalry there between the two of them, but the father wanted to shortchange Ishmael and the mother and you know, who can blame a mother for wanting the best for their child. Who could? Okay, but according to the Old Testament, once Ishmael spoke the words, there were no taking them back. It's like when you sign your name on a contract, there's no way to negotiate it or take it back or whatever. Okay, so. They hate each other to this day because of that. And you wouldn't believe it It took me three years to get the information on why. Yeah. Talking to a Jewish friend and a Palestinian friend to find out why. And they just hate each other. And, you know, as far as they're concerned, uh, each to each other, they're like insects that don't deserve anything more than to be stepped upon. And it's wrong. It's wrong especially since
0: they're family. I mean, my thought in general, though, is I just want to see the nation state dissolve over the long run. Like, I don't think we need these militarized nation states, these concentrated uh, governments of extreme power and violence. I mean, governments essentially have a monopoly on violence. You know, they are terrorist organizations, (laughs) I think (laughs) by definition (laughs) I'm all for globalization, you know, maybe a world without arbitrary government and arbitrary borders. What what do you think about, I mean, is that, is that an idealist, uh, perspective? Do you think we could ever live in a globalized system where we work together in cooperation and solidarity without borders? Uh, you know, without these militarized, uh, Weapons of war. I mean, the U. And we talk about environmentalism a little bit. I believe the U.S. Um, military is the biggest polluter in the world. So I don't that think is. we can ever get serious about climate change and global warming if we don't put an end to industrialized warfare as well. What do you think about a classless society? Do you, know
1: what, do you know what the number one export from America is
0: today? Weapons of some kind, I guess.
1: Weapons and munitions.
0: Sure, I believe it.
1: We don't have any real
0: other exports. We're the biggest um, arms, uh, yeah. We're probably the biggest arms manu- or distributor in the world, probably of all time. Sure. Yeah,
1: but in order to make what you're suggesting happen, um, I believe a revolution on the scale of what happened in Cuba would have to happen. Well,
0: let's talk about revolution. I wanted to get that. We have. Uh, let's see how much more time we have. Looks like we have, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. What's, what's revolution look like to you? What, what would revolution look like to you? What, is it, what does that word even mean to you?
2: Revolution means change.
0: Okay. What kind um, of change would you like to see in society?
1: Oh, peaceful. I would love a peaceful change. Me too. I don't see. I, I Realistically, I see um, a violent change happening. And what, what frightens me the most about that is the military has bigger weapons than we do it 's like what happened um uh, in egypt you know i I watched that happen on live t v the all these people were walking up to um, the, the the where the castle was i, I don 't remember what it's called um, they were walking up you know to the center and they had flowers and they had um, you know they were holding signs with hearts on them and they were shot down, literally shot down by our weapons, American weapons that we had given to whatever the hell this name is. Okay, you know, he's in prison now or possibly dead, I don't remember which. But I mean I watched it happen like uh, uh when you know the Iraq war. Here's this poor little kid in uh well he wasn't little, he was maybe fourteen or fifteen, but um he's crawling away. He's been shot up. And here's the American military, and this this soldier gets out of his tank, walks over to the kid, and sh- shits him, shoots him in the head.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Saddam Hussein, you know, was uh, yeah. a, a public enemy number one for a while. What many people don't talk about is Saddam Hussein was on the U.S. payroll. Uh, carrying out some of his harshest crimes, you know, uh, as, as a as a uh, as a ruler uh, and as a dictator over his well, people, okay. all all supported, all supported by Daddy Bush and the United States uh, government. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, he he disobeyed orders, and that's when we decided to uh, to invade.
1: Okay. See, with the different religious sects sects, sects, sorry, in Iraq, where Saddam Hussein was. He managed to keep all the people happy and under control, right? He was – like
0: Yeah, via, via an and iron they, fist, though. Yeah, but what they did
1: when they when they killed
0: him was they
2: destabilized the nation. That's right. So that they go in there that's and
0: break right. the nation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's – and that's why I think um, police – we can get back to police a little bit. I don't think uh, police preserve order as much as they – preserve disorder and as much as they use the violence to preserve that disorder. I think police protect property and wealth. They don't protect people. Um, And I also think it's. it's,
2: The
1: violence they commit are especially against people of color.
0: No doubt. I don't think there's any argument there. The data is overwhelming. I also think that is uh, insane to expect an untrained citizen um, to remain Peaceful and calm when a police uh, or armed forces member has a gun, you know, and, and at least in the terms of Israel-Palestine. I mean, children with guns and weapons, or you know, citizens, American citizens, with police guns and weapons in their face, and yet we we expect, or we're supposedly we're supposed to, uh, citizens untrained are supposed to remain calm and and um, you know, behaved uh, with with some trained. Uh, essentially killer you know with a weapon drawn on them but yet um you know the police when when citizens get angry or you know um talk back or show some sort of resistance it's okay for them to use you know what i mean i i just think it's just, it's incredible the expectation or at least well, with the uh... it, you know like, it frightens
2: me that you know the if we could do away with
1: all the weaponry
0: I I no doubt. The US has a gun problem. The, one of the biggest issues is the gun problem. I mean, I'm okay with having police. We don't necessarily have to Uh, abolish them. I think that's up for a democratic society to decide, you know, but I definitely think they should be defunded and demilitarized. Like I think there's all kinds of countries in the world where the police don't walk around with automatic weapons or guns and and whatnot. They're they're They have light colors so you can point them out so that you can find them when when there's a problem, you know, going on. But because we have this uh, violent society where there's guns everywhere, of course we militarize and, Weaponize the police, and um, you know, so it's just, it's just a really. Uh, I think a lot of things need to change in American society, and the and the gun yeah. culture is is one of those things. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think the the violence and the and the gun culture is a major problem. Not just you know the citizens committing these acts against other citizens, but then internationally, you know, international politics you know and, say, and- along
1: with along with social security being taxed. Cast- during the Reagan administration, he also defunded all of our health care for people um, who were uh, indigent or, um, you know, they had, uh, I want to say, you know, mental challenges. Sure. Because we used to have a system that would take care of people, a public system.
0: The, yeah, the New Deal. I mean, the New Deal, basically, since the 1970s, has been dismantled uh, for a new form of harsh cra- capitalism globalization, yeah. not the globalization I'm talking about, but a globalized economy where transnational corporations rob, exploit, and steal resources from the rest of the world. And the, yeah. and the perpetrator, number one perpetrator of that system is U S based transnationals and everything's just fine. As long as all that money um, flows back into the U S banking system. So that's, uh, and then you got the IMF and you know, the, the the, the new, the neo-colonialism that we use to um, you know, exercise power against, um, the global South essentially. But I want to get, I want to get back into, we're talking a lot of, a lot of different things here. Let's, let's focus on a little Nevada politics. The, the water scarcity, um, obviously the, the global warming and, and, uh, as far as I'm aware, Nevada, there's a big problem with water scarcity. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Um, the water scarcity is in Clark County. It's not where I am. Okay. And it's not Washoe County. Where I am, uh, we have, I want to say, kind of like almost an unlimited supply because our, all of us are on well water. Okay. There's a few people who are on city water, but, we're, you know, that's because, you know, the city water people want to charge you for the water you have. Um, Clark County, the, the uh, California Aqueduct, the contract ran out. You know, they had a 100-year contract. and contract just ran out. Um, and Clark County, Las Vegas, uh is having a problem keeping water to the people who live there. Okay, so I'm uh I'm gonna quote Sam Kinnison, okay, without the foul language. Why are you living in a place where you can't grow anything?
0: Sure. Yeah. Why is there a city why why is there an enormous city in the desert? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and these people want to keep their lifestyle, uh they wanna go gambling or they wanna go see uh the show girls or they want to travel
0: sin city to sin yeah. city <laughs>
1: well, what's, I mean, the, what's yeah, the
0: future yeah. of sin city is is it is it going to in the next 50 years is vegas still going to be here
1: if the water situation keeps up the way that it is no it's not yeah. um the thing is is that with the global warming we have more rain now uh longer uh rainstorms more rain coming you know like uh Was it in uh, uh, New Jersey? They had seven inches of rain in three hours. That's due to global warming. That's what's gonna, you know, what'll happen here. But I don't think that uh, Las Vegas proper will be able to withstand the flooding. Because, you know, like, when I first moved out to Las Vegas, because I moved from Las Vegas, but when I first moved out there, um, they had uh, flash floods all the time when it would rain. Yeah. They were so bad that there's a bridge on Charleston right before or the freeway bridge over Charleston uh uh Avenue. You couldn't get through it because it was filled up with sixteen feet of water. So, you know, imagine not sixteen feet, but you know, forty feet instead.
0: And also,
1: learn, you know, stupid human tricks. Move <laughs> somewhere else.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, What about? So I think that that's what we're going to see as as the planet continues to be and the environment continues to be trashed by uh, the human species and this awful system that we find our all find ourselves in this awful machine, this capitalist machine. I think that competition for resources and resource scarcity um, amongst the states. You know, you you talked a little bit about California and Nevada, but we're also going to see that. Throughout the world and different countries uh, competing for resources, and potentially, you know, we could talk about nuclear war could be waged in the future. Who knows? For resources such as food and water, and I mean, I think uh, coastlines and all all sorts of um, all sorts of things.
1: Speaking of nuclear war, I heard Biden's going to try and reinstate
2: the draft. <laughs>
0: I, I, yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't, I didn't hear any of that stuff. I, uh, I doubt it, but, uh, I wouldn't put anything past it. I definitely think that, uh, the economy, it, the American economy, uh, like you talked about the biggest export weapons, uh, it does seem like it's a, a war-based economy, a profiteering off of war, uh, defense contractors, conflict of yeah, interest. Yeah. Let's. Talk, what about the labor unions? I want to get back to Nevada politics, and then I have one other uh, little bit off the radar question about Nevada. I want to talk a little Area 51. I don't know if you can give me some insight on that, but let's talk. Before that, labor unions. Uh, you, in Nevada's a big union state. I think we talked about that in the pre-show uh, talk we had uh, maybe a week back or so. Can you talk? What about labor unions and their influence in Nevada? They're very
1: strong. The labor unions are extremely strong. Um, I would not want to, I would not cross a, a union strike line.
0: A picket ever. line. No, never, never, never. Yeah. And sure. I think, yeah. And I think the thing about what and unions do.
1: Union here because they're all, um uh they all work with their hands and yeah. their legs and their feet and everything. They're all big.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: yeah. You don't want to mess with right. them at all.
0: And it's I think uh, unions help to bring up the living standards for everyone, not just. The members, oh, yeah, but as as, as the standard as the wages and benefits improve for union members, it also improves for anybody, even people not in those unions.
1: Well, one of the reasons that the unions here are so strong is because this is a right to work state. Yeah, they have the right to fire you. And That's right. For any
0: reason. That's the way I see it. Yeah, right to work always is a good trick of propaganda. To me, it means the right to be fired for really any yeah. reason.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I think we're also one of the only countries in the world without proper unemployment assistance. You know, the 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 payment on unemployment is inadequate and it runs out over a short period of time. I forget what country I was studying. I think you get like was it Norway or something like that? It could be wrong. Check me on it. But uh, I think maybe you get like two years or something like that. I think in America you get what like a quarter, maybe twenty-seven weeks, something like that. It seems like it's ringing a bell. So, uh, and that's yeah, that's a big threat. I mean when you're, when you're a striking worker against the concentrated power and wealth of a corporation, um, you can't go six months or a year without, without income, you know, and that's, that's part of the entire system. I mean, I remember the railroad strike, um, essentially what Biden made it illegal, you know, so the governments and police and the working class movement has always been, um, violence has always been a method and tactic to, to put down the, to put down worker uh, working-class working organization and striking. And I think the Supreme Court is I've, – I've seen um, some cases talking about making it illegal or making it um, so that you can sue um, striking workers for, um, for, for profits, uh, for all the profits lost because of the strike. Uh, that, that would be yeah, devastating. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Did you know that it is illegal for a United States postal worker to strike under any circumstances. The only the only avenue they have, if they did want to strike, is a wildcat strike, and they would have to do it en masse.
0: That's that, they try to yeah they try to institutionalize it uh, to make it you know those in power I'll say the royal we uh, to make it harder for workers to fight back. Really, the only weapon the workforce has against organized capital and corporations is the power to withdraw their work, withdraw their services, and to strike. And without that ability, you know, working class people or relatively powerless. So I think we should always look to fight for the right to strike and the right to to um, resist power. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it's illegal to, um, to uh, interfere with working class organized efforts and unionized efforts. But you know, the United States, especially the right wing politics wing of the, of America, um, yeah. basically like Reagan basically said, we're not, we're not going, when he's in power, we're not going to enforce the laws. If you want to oppress organized and striking workers, go right ahead. Cause we're not going to enforce it. So, but I wanted to get to, um, area 51. You got any wild stories? What's, this is way off the record here, way off what I normally like to talk about, but I love space and the universe and, uh, the possibility for life outside of our planet, outside of our solar system. Tell me, What's going on in Area Fifty One? Is there any? You have any inside information for me? Is there little green people running around out there? Are there alien spacecrafts flying out there in the in the uh, in the um, in the Nevada skies?
1: Keep in mind, I have no proof. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the lights are really pretty. Yeah, the lights are really pretty, and I don't. I live approximately uh, fifty eight miles away from Area Fifty One, and it's okay. over. side of a mountain Uh uh-huh it's adjacent to um the test site okay and you know for what it's worth um, i have had the opportunity to have uh people who work at the test site and people who work at area 51 in my chair um and the things that they told me are too long to go into here yeah Uh, but two things okay i saw a black ops helicopter it was less than three feet off the ground. Before there was anything, you know, everybody, there's no such thing. I saw one up close and personal. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the guys who worked in the science department was telling me about um, the things that they were developing. And, the, you know, six months later, oh, look at that. There's a neutron bomb. It yeah. was a pencil eraser. And it killed everybody, but it left the building standing. Yeah, and he told me it. You know, he told me about it previous to it being used. So um, there was another uh, instance where these three guys who worked at uh, worked at Area Fifty One were talking about, okay, now um, everyone knows about this today, or they've heard a little bit about it, um, but they were working on uh, helmets for pilots. That was based on alien technology, so the pilot, all they had to do was think about where they wanted to go and the plane would go. And they lost 6 pilots because their brains were were fried literally. And nowadays they're like, oh, look, you know, oh, virtual reality here. Put it on. That's what that's based on. So, you know, these are things that people who work there told me. And again, I don't have any proof, you know. However, um, as David Duchovny likes to say, I want to believe.
0: Yeah, I want to believe too. I want to believe too. I want to believe that there's life outside of uh, planet Earth in the solar system. Uh, I think that would be one of the most.
1: Came Las Vegas about the green thing that landed. It was like a green comet, is what it looked like. But it was uh, it landed in uh, the these people's backyard in Las Vegas. And everybody was terrified because when it landed, they went to go see what it was. Right? You know, bright light, it exploded, and they saw, they saw green men running around the backyard, and then they all of a sudden disappeared. And they, uh, the, uh, uh, they have video, yeah, uh, of the thing crashing or coming out of the sky and crashing in the backyard. And I understand that um, the the latest news about this that I read last week was that um, they had the FBI keeping the house
0: cordoned off in case something comes back. So my, my thought is I'm pretty skeptical. I don't get too deep in the conspiracy theories, although I think they're, they're fun. I'm pretty skeptical. I don't know if the truth is there. My thought is though, that if there was some sort of conspiracy, if the people in power, whether it's in our government or some foreign government had information on alien technology, they would keep it top secret. We would never hear about it. And any witness, um, to that alien technology or to some information that the people in power didn't want to get out. They would do exactly what they always do, which is to discredit that person, which would be to dig up dirt on that person, which would be to make them look like they are a lunatic saying, you know, there's There's, aliens running around. You know what I mean? I know what
1: you mean, but like the entirety of Clark County saw a bunch of lights in the sky. This
0: is a couple of years. You can look it up. Sure. Um, I've heard uh, of it. Uh, yeah, I've heard of the, the phenomenon. In the sky, right.
2: right. There
1: were reports from all over, all over the city, all over Las Vegas, because I saw the lights in the sky too. Okay, I did. Um,
0: so let's go to this. Do you think we are alone? Or are there other uh, intelligent I
1: don't think we're alone, but um, I would think they're intelligent uh, enough to put up a sign that we can't see that says, don't go here.
0: Yeah,
2: it's dangerous,
0: you know, <laughs> it's, it's, I saw. Right. I saw. A, I saw a meme. Uh, something like uh, when aliens when aliens drive past Earth in their little spaceship, they lock the doors. <laughs> yeah,
1: Right out the window, lock the doors. Yeah. keep going. Don't right. look at them. Don't come and get you. Don't look at them. That's that's how I feel about it. I mean, in order to have transportation of that you know that magnitude, they must be more intelligent than we are. And smart enough to stay away. We're a violent population.
0: So do you do you think do you think aliens exist out there in, in space? You think you would say yes. yes? Yes.
1: You would have to be self-centered to think that we're the only life form that
2: exists.
0: I think it's possible. I think it's really possible that we are. I I've heard two arguments to this. I don't know where I stand. I think it's definitely possible. I'm not convinced either way. I think maybe we're we were just a little blip on the radar, maybe some sort of uh you know miracle or something that happened, some cosmic miracle. I don't know um but I think it's also possible that intelligent life forms are out there um the another question would be if there are intelligent life forms out there, would they have the technology are they are they do they even occupy? uh, a close enough proximity in the galaxy and the technology to get here. So I'll ask you a second question. Uh, you do believe that there's life out there. I don't know. I'm agnostic with, with that and religion. Uh, it could be true. Have they been here? If they're, if, if aliens do exist, that's a big if for me, have they been to planet earth? You are out there in area 51 land out there in the big skies of Nevada. Have they visited us? Do you, what do you think? Um,
1: I think that I think that okay, first of all, I wanna say that um there is life other life out there. Um I think some are more intelligent and I think some are not you know, not uh intelligent enough yet. And um and I wanna say that yeah, they probably stopped by, looked around and said, Yeah, we're not coming back. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I
0: don't know right. you. Yeah. I
1: wouldn't blame you. you know, like they came home uh one of those spacecraft from somewhere uh, came back home with an alien life form on the body of the ship. Right. Now, the, an alien life form can be anything. It can be an amoeba. Sure. It can be,
2: um, sure. you know,
1: a plant. It can be a, another uh, um, a biped.
0: I, I've heard uh, some 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 theories on um, life on planet Earth. Is you know, life life forms were. Implanted here by uh, an asteroid, you know that sort of thing. So, yeah, who knows? so the
1: life, That is a life form that came from the asteroid, so it's from out there.
0: Sure, and, definitely and a possibility it, after, for sure.
1: For millions of years, it generated itself into something else, or maybe the fish ate it, grew legs, and you know that that was a byproduct of eating something that it had never eaten before. We don't know, the, but um, I, mean, I don't know.
0: The more I think about the universe and our place in it and the more I study it, you know, from a novice perspective, from an amateur enthusiast on the universe, the more questions I have and the less answers I have. But okay. like, 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 like you said, and to quote David Duchovny in The X-Files, I want to believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I re-
1: you know, the truth is out there
0: um but you gotta I find think- it i'm a, that's, that's what i'm big on this show is about ideas i'm a philosopher i'm all about the ideas i'm not into the i'm not into the um whatever you know the um the the established doctrines the dogma i'm just in the search for truth and i want to get edu- educated people on here to talk and and throw some ideas out there and to listen to them and um yeah i think that uh I I just like hearing a different perspective and I just want to present a little bit different picture of the world and the reality we find ourselves in that the yeah. mainstream media um wants us to you know want, want portrayed you know the perspective yeah. of the world and uh the perspective of reality uh I think I think the world is a is a is a mysterious wild place just like the universe but um, I, think, I think truth can be discovered. It just, it just takes a lot of effort, whether it's the propaganda and trying to see through that propaganda and the lies that the, the media present to us or whether we're just looking up into the skies at a telescope trying to make sense of the cosmos just like the ancient Greeks did thousands of years ago, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah you know, it, it, keeping your mind open is yep. keeping your ear open. You know, ideas are, uh, are, you know, ideas have energy. And, okay, to, to just, just bear with me for a second, anything that you have thought, created in your head, it's somewhere out in the universe because it's
0: energy. It went there. You know? I, I totally, I totally get it. I think this is a good place to stop. I really appreciate uh, your time tonight, your conversation. Thanks for being a guest on Necessary Illusions, Ms. Turbo Kitty. You're
1: welcome. And I'm glad to come back
0: anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Necessary Illusions. I want to thank my guest, Ms. Turbo Kitty. You can find her on Twitter. She's an activist and member of the Green Party, and I really appreciated her discussion tonight. She brought up a lot of interesting topics. So thank you, Ms. Turbo Kitty, and thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared.